Hi all, welcome to the only in the room. My name is Anika Aftab and I am your host. The Only in the Room is a podcast where we explore stories of some incredible humans that have felt like an only in a room full of people. Despite all of that, they decided to transform their experiences and leave a greater impact on the world. Remember, the only is not just a feeling, it's a movement. On today's episode, we speak to Dia DeMores. Dia's resilience and unwavering determination to make a difference is evident in her storytelling. She captivates audiences with her rich narrative, motivating others to challenge their own perspectives and be agents of positive change. So yeah, so tell me like why why you think you would stray away from the questions. When I look at these questions, I kind of look at like my last section of like defining experiences. Um, So when I like look at the questions, I automatically have like some stories to pull out that are different than I feel like what would go along with like the anger, what was it? Anger and awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's don't, don't think too much about it because this is going to be more of a conversation and I'm good to, I'm, I'm glad I know that you're thinking this way because I'm going to try to make you think the other way. So I'm just telling you. Um, so before we get, let's just get started into it. Um, okay. Once again, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. Uh, first thing first, I'm going to ask you is what's your name and can you spell it out for us? Also, how in depth do you want to get with these questions? Because like even the name one, like there's kind of some weight to it. As as deep as you'd like to go. Some okay. of these interviews have been over an hour and I've been just rolling with it. Okay, so, sounds good. So okay. your name and spell it, please. So my name is Dia Damas, D-I-A-D-E space capital M-O-O-R-S. Amazing. And where are you from? I'm from Georgia, suburbs awesome. of Atlanta. Nice. And why were you given the name Dia? So I actually gave myself the name Dia. So it's the last half of my middle name. So if you chop my full name in half, it's Dia DeMoss. And I actually started um, going by that name a couple years ago. I really like the symbolism from the name because Dia in Spanish is day. So, and then DeMoss is of Moors. And the Moors were the Moors of Spain. They were... Um, like a black Arabic group who came into Europe and had great influence and impact on the Europeans. Um, and I kind of like the name because it's like day of more. So in my head that translates to abundance, like this is the time of abundance and also um, day of more as in like, this is the time for people like me to like have our success and reap our reward. Um, and I changed that from my first name, which is Chastity. Um, that's also not the name that I was born with, fun fact. Um, I was born as Soraya Lydia DeMoss, but my grandma came into the room right after I was born. And um, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So our parents, gave me and my siblings very, very religious names. <laughs> and my grandmother was not, and she was kind of freaked out that all of our names were so religious and that my mom had some interesting habits. So she did not like my name. And so she said, why don't you name her something more sensible like chastity? And so that became my name without my father's consent. He was out getting snacks and he came back and my name was changed. <laughs> So growing up, I kind of always resented the name Chastity and it always like had some weight to it. Um, no one could get my name right. They always confused it with something else like Charity or um, Cassidy, Cassidy or Destiny. Um, and I, I felt like I choked on my name because the T's, they just, they get you. Chastity. It, it gets caught in your mouth. It's not very comfortable. Um, so like in second grade, I started to try to go by Lydia, but no one would catch on. Um, and then as I grew older, 
when I hit puberty, the name was extra not fun to have. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Please keep going. Prepare yourself. I, I shall continue. Um, so if you don't know, chastity, spelled C-H-A-S-T-I-T-Y, means um, to be sexually pure, to be sexually chaste. So growing up, we had a lot of a lot of lessons about chastity and being sexually pure and sexually cha- sexually chaste. So there was lots of looks in my direction whenever that lesson came up. So that was not fun. Also, I happened to get really hard, like get hit really hard by puberty um, before everyone else did. So my chest grew very exponentially compared to the rest of my body. So um not all of my peers knew about the true meaning of my name um and my name became body parts and i started to be known and associated with body parts and as i've grown older um no one like to my face uh acknowledges me as body parts if you know what i'm saying like i could say them but like i feel like maybe not the most appropriate for a podcast Um, I thought about how I move through the, through the world and how I want to be known professionally. And I don't want to have associations with like sexuality or with body parts. Um, and I've never like resonated with that name anyway. So I figured, you know what? I'm an adult. I can choose how I present myself and how I interact with the world. And I really like my middle name and Dia Damas sounds really good. And all of these name associations feel very powerful to me so that's Mm -hmm. how i got my name (laughs) i mean power to you so does your family still call you chastity or um so close friends and family call me by my family nickname um so around them i was never chastity anyway so yeah i'm just not gonna like let everyone call me by my family name because then it loses its its specialness absolutely yeah right and then what is your middle name you it's Lydia. You, oh, it is Lydia. Yeah, oh, so we just chopped it in half. From, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. I understand now. Okay. Wow. I mean, that is so. <laughs> so first and foremost, I've known you for at least a few. <laughs> I've known you for a bit, and I'm surprised that I didn't know the story behind this because that is fascinating. I'm not gonna tell. I won't tell anyone. Um, but I power to you. Power to you for being able to essentially claim reclaim your yourself and Mm -hmm. setting out your own you know your own path forward and I love I I didn't know what Dia de Mor like Demas right not Mm -hmm. Demas um what it meant and now that I do I'm just like it fits so perfectly just knowing you you. how long I've known you and so I absolutely absolutely adore it and now, I just I just love it so much. That's amazing. <laughs> Very Thanks. cool. And that is that is a story. I love it. I love it. So let's let's go back to so you're you're from Georgia or were mm. you you were born in Georgia? I wasn't born in Georgia, but this is okay. the most recent place that I've called home and where I've called home for the longest. Gotcha. And you do consider Georgia to be home? Somewhat. I think so more so now than I did growing up here. Okay. Well, so then let me ask you, where do you consider to be home? Um, I don't really have a place that's really home. Why do you think that is? Um, hmm. So when I was five, my dad joined the military and we moved around a bit before that. Um, the last place that I considered home was Colorado because we lived there right before we moved to Georgia. Um, And that's the last place that my family was complete as I knew it. And like where it was kind of like the pinnacle of my childhood. Um, But um, wait, let's go back to the question. I feel like I forgot it. And I want to make sure that I stay on top of it. (laughs) Don't don't stress too much (laughs) about being on top of it. Trust me, this is like very much a conversation um i think the question was why don't you consider georgia to be home oh okay or cool. where do you consider home to be um and then why isn't like a one particular place 
But yeah, don't stress so, too much about it. Um, okay. I was going along the right lanes. I can cut this out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, I don't consider Georgia to be my home because I feel like essentially home is family. Home is where the heart is. And I feel like I left my heart in Colorado, uh, which is the place that I lived right before we moved to Georgia. Um, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot. And um, he actually passed away in 2006 in Tel Aviv, Iraq. And he died when we were living in Colorado. So we were living on a military installation and um, you can't live on the military installation anymore if you've lost your military member. So we were kind of essentially evicted and had to find a new home. But like, where do you go when you've been uprooted for so long? Um, so we moved to Georgia and that was just a very, very different experience for lots of, lots of different reasons. Um, so for a long time, I felt like my home was Colorado, but I went to visit, um, a few years after we moved and it just felt empty. Like all of the people that I knew were gone. Um, my house that I lived in did not look the same at all. It was very run down. So it was kind of awakening experience. Like I, wow, like where is home? Do I have one? Um, and Georgia never really felt like home because I never felt belonging here. Um, I, I was very different from lots of people and you think Georgia, like maybe diversity. That's what I thought. I was wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. I moved to the suburbs and, and it's, it's kind of homogenous. Everybody tries to be the same. And being different in any way is very much looked down on. Um, and I, I was very different. I'd traveled the world as a child. I'd lost a parent. I'd been in lots of experiences that other people could not relate to. Um, so I found myself kind of isolated. And then, yeah, in my family, everybody's kind of going in the different directions. We're all aging and like having our own sports and activities and stuff. So yeah, I kind of just never like felt like I like fit in any of the grooves. So that's why it hasn't felt very homey. Mm -hmm. Did you ever find like a sense of community out there or a group of people that you felt like they understood you? Not really. Really? Like I've had a couple of individuals, but um, not a full on community. Yeah. And what, what was like the presence of the church like out there? Um, in what sense? Like, were there a lot like, of were members? Were there lots of members? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like there was a decent amount. Um, the church, like, 50 years ago was super small, but it's, like, grown <laughs> very, yeah. very large. So in my high school, in my grade, I had probably, like, five or six other kids who were members of the church. So there was, like, a good, a good group of us, yeah. That's good. Wow. Well... And I, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. I mean, like, my heart goes out to you. Um, and I can't even imagine. And how old were you when you moved to Georgia? After um, I was nine when we moved here. Yeah, see, I, I, I can't even imagine how that must have felt for you. Like, not only having to uproot your life, but lose someone so dearly mm -hmm. to you. And I'm, I, I'm so sorry. I know I can't say much more than that, but you're honestly... You're so brave <laughs> and like you and your family Thanks. in particular. So, um, wow. So you said you moved around a lot when you were a child. Can you tell me a bit about more about that? Like, did oh, you, yeah. was it all like national? Did you go international? We went international. Um, so I was born in Alabama, lived there for a few years. Um, my dad's actually from Canada, from the French side of Canada. Um, so when we found out he was joining the military, we went to spend like three or four months to live with his family in Canada, just so we could have some family time before we wouldn't see them for who knows how long. And then we moved to Germany. We stayed there for about a year and a half. And then we moved to Colorado and then he passed away. And then we moved 
to Georgia and Germany was just so wonderful. I was like, I was five and six there and I thought I lived in a fairy tale because there's <laughs> castles all around and there's just all this land and everything just feels super magical. So I mm -hmm. loved it. So, have you been back since? Not to Germany, but to Europe. To Europe. Mm -hmm. cool. And where in Europe have you been? Um, I've been to Belgium, the Netherlands, um, and England as an adult, um, as a child, I traveled over a couple different places. I love it. Traveling is so, I just think it's so important. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know where it just makes you realize that the world is so, so large and mm -hmm. there's so much out there, so much beauty, so many people, so many, so many things and places and it's it's it amazes me when I hear people that haven't left the country. I'm like, oh my goodness! <laughs> like, get a passport right now. I'm gonna take you on a trip. Like, let's yes. Go. <laughs> so, and I think you're right that the world is so large, but I also think at the same time it's so small. Yeah. Like you can get on a plane, and within maybe a day or two, you can get anywhere in the world. <laughs> and we're so connected that I think when we don't travel, the world seems so much bigger and like so much more inaccessible and so different and foreign when yes, there's different aspects of culture and people see things in a different light, but essentially we're like all the same. Just like the way that we express ourselves has variation, but we all have the same core desires. We all have the same like longings in life and the same experiences. And yeah, so like it's it's big, but it's also so small at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I love how you put it that way because I think we're like seeing how increasingly we're becoming as connected as we're becoming, we're becoming just as disconnected mm. um, and polarized. Everything is, you know, black and white nowadays and, it, and you have to be on one side or the other. And you, the more you realize, the more extreme you go, it becomes a full circle is what mm -hmm. I'm, I'm starting to realize. And um, I do love, I think that the more globalized we become, the less polarized we should be, right? Because we're going to start connecting and like, you know, mm -hmm. just becoming more and more in that smaller sense of like a community all together. So we shall see. That's my goal, at least. I kind of want to just, you know, sometimes catch a flight to the middle of nowhere all the time, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know you're traveling soon. I, I, I want to touch upon that. Um in a few, but I'm going to switch gears really quickly. I did give you a homework assignment. It mm -hmm. was to choose three songs that resonate with you the most. And music has always been so central to me, even though I'm tone deaf. And I, I think that music has the ability to capture emotions that we can't necessarily always put into words ourselves. So can you tell me what your three are? Yeah. So let me look up the artist's name. One is New Soul. New Soul. I haven't heard it, but we will probably play um, it at the end of the episode. Sorry, I didn't write them down. So I need oh, to look good. up the the. Oh. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't know the author, the author, the singer, um, I can just look them up later and just say, mm -hmm. uh, say them in the closing. Um, ooh, Alone by Demi Lovato. Alone by Demi Lovato. And Woman by Doja Cat. Yes. <laughs> so tell me why those three, New Soul, Alone, and Mm. Um, I like the new soul one because it's just talking about like coming into the world and like not really what, knowing what's going on and like trying to find your place in it. Um, and I think that kind of resonates with me because I feel like I look very um, look at the world a lot differently than a lot of other people. I kind of feel like a child in that way. You know how like when young toddlers walk around, they're like, what's that? Like, why do we do this? That's so weird. Like, what is, what is everything? 
Um, and I think that sometimes I question how systems are set up that way of why does it have to be that way? Like, okay, this is the norm and what everybody does, but why? Like, do we have to do that? Can we not change things? Like, we have the power to do that. Um, I connect with the song alone um, because, oh, there's so much power and emotion in that song that Demi Lovato um, portrays in her voice. And I don't feel that way now, but I have felt that way um, of feeling like no one's there and like calling out and trying to reach for something and coming up with nothing. And I, that's kind of a, a thought process that drives me. I don't want people to feel that way. Um, I want us to feel like more connected and have a sense of community. Um, and I, I think it's a good reminder that I don't feel that way now, but to have like so much em empathy for that, um, for that experience. Um, yeah. And then my last one, woman. Um, <laughs> I have just like an interesting relationship with like womanhood and femininity and like what exactly that means for me. So I really like that song in the way that it like helps me feel like connected to my femininity and it's just like fun and light and you can dance to it. And I like to dance and I like to have that energy in my life as well. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about your relationship to womanhood, femininity? Ooh, yeah. I, I probably I opened a can of worms, but I'm curious <laughs> what, what you, as a woman, I would like to ask. Yeah. Um, I feel like this also goes back to my sense of um, questioning what the norms are and why they have to be that way. So um, I grew up with two brothers. And I don't know, my family is like traditional in some ways and not traditional in other ways. Like when I grew up, I got Barbies and like pink and hair bows and stuff like that. And I was a wild child. Like as a little kid, I would always run around naked and like rip the bows out of my hair. And like, I was just like a rough and tumble little girl. Like my mom used to say that I should like test toys for the Tonka trucks because they're supposed to be indestructible, <laughs> but I would always break them. Um, so I was like a very, like, uh, like, I feel like I was just like a boyish child, like in the Western sense of like gender norms, I was like a tomboy essentially. Um, and I was kind of always like guided to more girly things, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, puberty hit really hard for me. Cause I wanted to be kind of androgynous. I wanted to fit in with the boys. I wanted to like be friends with my brothers and all that. Um, but I feel like I wasn't always included. Cause it's like, oh, we are doing boy stuff and you're a girl. Um, you look like one too now. Like, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm very obviously a woman now. Um, <laughs> so I was like really, really upset when I started puberty and like the boobs grew. <laughs> I like cried every time I went up a cup size and like, especially with all the attention on my chest, I really hated it because I was very, very sexualized from a very young age. And it made me feel just oh, disgusted because I, I don't know, like most spaces that I walked in, I was very aware of how people were viewing me and in a sexual light. And that's just so, so uncomfortable. Um, at a young age too. I mean, yeah, like have some decency people, mm -hmm. like, but I mean, they can't help themselves. I mean, cause it is natural sometimes where you like, you have a reaction, but still it's just not fair to you. I would say. Mm -hmm. I think reactions are, um, something that you can't necessarily help, but you can also control yourself and keep it to yourself. I think the narrative that I grew up with, like in all circles and communities, like even at school, you know, with dress codes is um, cover up so you're not a distraction. So yeah, or it's, yeah it's like mm -hmm. it's like your fault that you're the one that yes. has 100%. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I, yeah, I understand that myself as someone mm -hmm. who is also um, from a young age, you know, had grown up very quickly. 
physically. And it was always like, like I remember my mom once asked me if I got like a breast enhancement. I was like, mom, what, what do you, wouldn't you you know? Like, I was going to say, I'm like, this is my own body. And, like, I don't have the kind of money for that. But I'm also way too young for something like this, yeah. right? And it's, like, it's not my fault that I have grown. Mm. That is not – it's not supposed to be my fault. But it always was portrayed as, right? It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like oh, the top doesn't fit you? Well, it must be your problem. It's, like, no, yes. clothing is supposed to – you're supposed to let clothing – like, you're supposed to find clothing that fit you, not mm-hmm. the other way around. And so it just – it. That messaging is so, so just, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. It makes me so mad. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, I didn't so much have like any messaging of like not being able to do things because I was a girl, like uh, educationally wise. Um, that was not my experience. It was more like, I guess the sexualization Um And I think when it comes down to it, when the message is like cover up because so you don't become a distraction, it's also coupled with if something does happen, well, what was she wearing? How was she acting to have something happen? Mm -hmm. And then that translates into, okay, well, if I can wear a burqa and still have something happen, it's not the clothing, it's, it's me. That's the problem. Um, so it was actually really interesting. I have, that's always kind of been a thing. Um, and co- going to Hawaii was very liberating from that mindset and that um, attachment to like men are gross and always just like want you for your body and like you have no control over yourself because. You know, in Hawaii, you go to the beach a lot. You're in a swimsuit. No one's sexually assaulting each other. Like, you don't go to the beach and all of a sudden all these women are getting attacked. And you're in literal underwear. Like, very, very small, 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 small pieces of clothing. And women are safe. I'm not saying that's always the case, but... Like, men can control themselves, essentially. So then that started to, like come into my soul more and it helped me realize my body is not the problem and men can control themselves it's not my fault it's not anybody's fault any like victim's fault if something happens to them and even with thoughts like if you have thoughts you can control those thoughts so that i don't know that's one aspect of being a woman that um sticks out the most that i'm learning to be more comfortable with yeah no absolutely and you know it's it's interesting you bring up that hawaii distinction i've been noticing it myself where i'm i'm the same weight that i was like a a year and a half ago before i had moved to hawaii but i feel so much more confident in my body here than i did anywhere else in the world I'm, i'm in like crop top shorts like all the time and i am loving i'm loving myself and i'm realizing you know love does come from yourself internally but your external environment does have some factors and um sorry i just moved my mic a little um and i've been realizing it's just because the people i'm around they don't they don't care like mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not here to judge you for having just a little bit extra you know on the top yeah. or like just a little like you know bellies are normal. Like, you know, those are, that's part of being human. Why are we trying so hard to get rid of all this stuff? And the people here are just so, just so incredible. Like, but they're just because they're just, they don't care about the other things that, because we're just always, you know, we're just enjoying nature. We're enjoying the water. We're enjoying the the company. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's so, that's a powerful like statement of like what you were talking about with Hawaii being like, perspective changing. I, I really, I completely agree with you. And for our listeners, that is how Dia and I had met. Uh, we did meet here in Hawaii and it's been, we miss you. That's for sure. Oh, yes. I'll come visit in I Bali you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's amazing. Well, and I, I love the song kind of just circling back to the song women. Like I, I'm going to play it at the end of this. <laughs> that's for sure. 
but it's amazing. And I, I appreciate you sharing kind of your perspective on womanhood, femininity. And I know you and I can kind of go a bit deeper on like the church and like where like womanhood fall into that, like in all of that, I, that could be its own Ooh, another yeah. podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? Why not? Why not tell me? Tell me as a woman growing up with the perspective that you had and being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Ooh. What is what is your perspective on, you know, woman and the priesthood? That's a book that I just, Ooh. that I have actually. Um, juicy, juicy. Lots of thoughts, lots of thoughts in my head. Ooh, sorry. Okay. Lots of thoughts in my head. Um, I won't go into speculative things and like, ooh, because, okay, okay. As of like right now, um, women have priesthood power. The distinction currently is that we don't have the authority. What does that mean? Um, we have the power to like, like we can speak power, but we don't necessarily have the power to like, do ordinances like baptisms and stuff like that. Those don't happen every day. That's not, um, that's not in the daily practice. Like in the daily practice of our day-to-day -day lives, we can do pretty much anything a man can do. And in our church and our faith, we actually have a lot, a lot of power. There's a lot of organizations that we run in the church um, there could be more, um, in a sense of positions of influence and decision-making we are in most rooms, but there could be more of us and more input, but on a day-to-day -day experience, we have so much power already, like so much power. Um, so that's my thought. We, we can have more influence of like decision-making abilities but besides that we it's like the same as men mm. and that's my thing i don't know um yeah like we do pretty <laughs> much everything that the men do mm -hmm. but we don't have the authority yeah at to a degree which you know has never made sense to me personally um and I mean, I come from a faith like Islam, right? Mm -hmm. Where I almost felt like as being a woman, I wasn't allowed to have the power. I mean, mm -hmm. I, and, and you know, there is, con I don't want to get too political. Like I know there's controversy, controversy over the hijab and, you know, growing up, I, there was an expectation on weekends for me to wear the hijab because I would go to religion school for three hours, Saturday and Sunday, both. So six hours of schooling. Um, and, you know, I would look at my male counterparts and I'd be like, why, why is he allowed to wear shorts? But if I do, it's, it's a problem, right? Or why is it that this hair makes me less, showing it makes me feel like less pure or, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of going back to our conversation about women and their bodies and their clothes. It's like, why does this define me and not who I am as a person or how I act. Um, and, and it just, it never made sense to me. And I just feel like there are more recently, I've been just, there are a lot of religions that have that perspective. And I don't, I, I you know, I've read the text. I've read, I've read the Quran. I, I don't think that the, the intention is to subjugate women like this and objectify, like, you know, force them into this box. But I think that the cultural ties really, have that influence and it, it causes this level of like how we're feeling and we're, what we're conversing about right now. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Ooh, um, can I speak to the hijab thing? Yeah, absolutely. So let me know if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, um, it's not like women weren't wearing coverings because if you like Islam started in Saudi Arabia, a very sandy country. So was that not just part of the culture and before? I think so. I think generally speaking, yes, everyone. And, and you look at like in Saudi Arabia, the males have 
the, Mm -hmm. you know, they have their own sort of like head wraps that keep them cool. Like it it, it is, it is something that I think evolution, if we're going to talk like evolutionary or like Mm -hmm. even just kind of how they survived. Yeah. uh, That would make the most sense. So from my perspective, that is kind of an example of culture being mixed with um, doctrine and Mm -hmm. twisting things to make them uh, benefit certain people more than others. Like I can see how there would be different um, senses of empowerment by wearing hijab or not wearing hijab. Like I think it's so powerful to be able to say, you have no right to me. You have no right to see my hair. You have no right to see my body. I am not for you. I think it's also powerful to say, this is my body. I'm not covering up because of how you view me. I think both are very powerful, but it really should be like the woman who decides, like the woman has the power to say, not like anybody else saying that for her. And I think that goes across all religions. Um, In the church, in our church in particular, I feel like the the sense of authority is is a tricky one because we really value authority and i don't i don't love the reasons why people say that women and men aren't completely equal because they're not oh, they're not the same they're just not the same so a lot of people will say oh men have the priesthood women have motherhood but that's it's just it's not the same like the equivalent to motherhood is is fatherhood actually those that's the other side and it's also harmful because not every righteous willing person can be a mother but every righteous man can have the priesthood and people can abuse it and not be worthy but on paper they have the authority so that's just really unfortunate but it when when it comes down to spiritual power in a sense we are the same like we have equal access and opportunity and as far as like yeah what we can achieve it's the same like i'm i'm not like a lesser human because i'm a woman and i really don't think that's what our faith teaches which i really appreciate um especially in our faith A lot of people don't like Eve, like religious people. They're like, Eve sucks. We hate her. We see Eve a lot differently. We see Eve as a necessary part of human existence. Like without her, we wouldn't be here. Um, And without her decision, nothing, we would not have progressed at all. So we hold Eve in high regard. And that's something that I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the first time I heard about the perspective of Eve, I just was blown away by the amount of respect that we have for Mother Eve, you know. And um, I, I, I have. I, it makes sense, right? She was knowledge. Like we, like, there's a belief that she had the knowledge of, you know, what was to happen if she were to, if what was, you know, what had happened did happen, it would have. It led to us, right? And um, I do love that perspective. I'm butchering it, so please, if you, please correct me. Um, but I, I just, I do love that, and I, I think that that's a powerful testament to like the beliefs of the church. And um, but even then, there's always room for improvement, right? And you said it yourself. It's like we have the the, the we have a lot of influence. We have a lot of um, we're there in some rooms, but we could be in more more rooms. And I think that's just across the board in all aspects of being a woman sometimes or a person of color or any other of those boxes that you can kind of check off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I did have one question. Um, I was just curious, and I know you told me in the beginning that you were like, oh, I don't want my questions to, to go through this, like the theme, <laughs> right? So the theme that you had chosen is pain, uh, not pain, you chose anger, anger and awareness. Anger and yes, awareness. Anger and, you chose anger and awareness. Uh, can you tell me 
why you chose that. I, w- I just, I, I've been thinking about it since you said it. Um, you're the first interview that I'm having that has chosen that as an answer. <laughs> and I love it because it is something that I resonate with. I just not, I guess not many people have, and I'd love to hear why you chose it. Ooh, these days, like over the past couple years, I found myself angry often. Um, and I felt like conflicting feelings with that until recently I realized that my anger is indignation. So indignation is the sense of being upset with injustice and things not being fair. My anger is not um, steeped in hatred for anybody or malice or revenge or anything. It's, It's this deep upset with things that are unjust, essentially. Um, and I see anger and awareness and I really resonated with that because I think a lot of my anger has come from awareness and with more awareness, my anger kind of subsides a little bit. Um, so I grew up in a very homogenous community, very, didn't look like me, predominantly white, predominantly very, very conservative, very, um, evangelical, I'll say, like evangelical Christian. Um, One way of thinking that doesn't really allow for much else. And I always saw the world very differently, but I feel like I had to hide myself. And I feel like when I spoke out about things or questioned things of why does it have to be that way, I was kind of discouraged from speaking. And so... I kind of lost sense of what I really thought and if I was sensing reality correctly or not. Um, And so I kind of just like didn't question anything, was very quiet. And now that I'm older and I'm seeing the world more, I've gotten very angry uh, about my experiences and very angry that we have all these issues that don't need to be issues in the world. Like, it makes me really, really upset that in so many countries, people are dying from diseases that we figured out how to cure in the Western world like a hundred years ago. It makes me so angry that America is so divided. It makes me so angry that things aren't even, and that so many people are just struggling to survive. When we live in 2022, like we have so much technology, we have so much knowledge to fix all the world's problems, but we just don't do it. And yeah, that just, that makes me super angry, super, super angry. Um, And I think learning more about the world and why things happen in like my personal life and on larger scales, I can see why. I can see why they've ha- stuff has happened. I can see why the world is the way that it is. And I think that if we became more aware as individuals and as societies, we could fix these problems. We could fix internal conflict. We could fix interpersonal conflict and conflict around the world. Wow. (laughs) That was, I have goosebumps (laughs) right now. I will say that. And I think the first sentence you said was, I'm going to butcher it because it was so powerful. I wanted to write it down. But you said your anger came from a bit of your awareness and being more aware subsided your anger. And mm-hmm. I, and, and then you, you just gave some like powerful examples of why you're angry and then what we can do about it. And I, I'm, I'm at a loss of words that, that is, it seems that you're, you're very aware of your emotions and what you want to do about it. So what can, what, what, what can we, what more can we do? Ooh, um, I'll start on an interpersonal level. So I'm in a class called um, Psychology of Race and Ethnicity. And we started off talking about cognitive dissonance, this idea that 
sometimes we can have two thoughts that um, counteract each other. They, they can't really exist in one space. And so to make ourselves comfortable because we, d- we don't like that conflict in our, ma- in our minds, we change one of the thoughts. An example is smoking. Smoking is bad and I smoke. It's really hard to stop smoking. So you're probably going to go for the thoughts of smoking is bad. So some might say, oh, well, smoking's not that bad, right? Like smoking causes cancer, but how often does it cause cancer? Maybe I'll be one of the lucky ones. Or maybe those studies that say that smoking causes cancer, maybe they're not really legitimate, right? Or maybe I don't smoke enough to cause cancer, right? So we do that with lots of lots of thoughts and ideas that, that don't coincide together. Um, and when we have that sense of cognitive dissonance, it's very uncomfortable for ourselves. And we like to avoid discomfort, obviously, like who wants to feel pain and discomfort? Like no one. Um, so I think that we do that in a lot of our interactions. Um, and sometimes that causes ourselves to not change our behavior that's harmful because we think, oh, that makes us a bad person and we don't want to be bad people. We believe that we are good people. But if we've done some something to harm someone, right, whether it's um, directly through our actions or indirectly through our lack of action, then we can feel bad inside. So we might say, oh, well, what I did was not that bad. Like they're, they're fine. Maybe they're just too sensitive, whatever. Um, so I think if we can look into ourselves and see how can I help solve problems or what am I doing that is either directly hurting or hindering progress or help or something positive I think we can look at ourselves and say, okay, maybe it's not that I'm bad. Maybe I'm unaware, right? Or maybe I just need to learn more. So I think learning more about these situations, learning more about ourselves and giving ourselves some grace as we try to learn more, learn better and do better, I think that that would help fix a lot of problems and recognize that we don't have all the answers. Um, for a lot of the issues that I talked about and a lot of the issues I've experienced, I didn't know how it worked and I didn't know like how to fix it. And I've recognized situations where I've been a part of the problem and I've had to be like, okay, well, I didn't know and now I do. And now I can change and be better, but I'm not a bad person because I've done all these things, but my actions were harmful or my actions were helpful. And then when I take myself out of the situation, then it's a lot easier to focus on the action instead of my character. Wow. (laughs) Um, I, I love that you brought up cognitive dissonance as well, because I mean, honestly, when I was doing these sections, these, uh, for my book, I was like, Oh, you know, these things don't go together, but they often are the most cognitive. Like I have the most cognitive dissonance when I am feeling one or the other. So for you in particular, where you chose anger and awareness, when I feel aware, I don't feel angry anymore. When I'm angry, I don't feel like I'm aware. I'm just, just like, you know, I think of the, what's the Disney movie inside out. (laughs) I'm that red little, (laughs) like the guy that's like, all angry. (laughs) Um, And so I I really love that you brought up that distinction. And I I think that there's power to being able to recognize when you're having cognitive dissonance and then being aware of, Mm -hmm. you can have both, but do something about it. It doesn't have to mean that you have to be stagnant per se. Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of going back to like the book itself, I know you'd mentioned a few times about growing up in like you had said, like a very Caucasian area. Um, There were a lot of areas where you were essentially the only in the room and 
obviously the book is called The Only in the Room. The podcast is called The Only in Room. Can you can you tell me where when you have felt the most alone in a room full of people? Is this like one occasion, the main occasion, or what are you thinking? It could be one, it could be multiple, it could be this every time I'm in a situation like this. It's really up to you. Okay, I have I have a couple and I'll I'll be brief with them. Um so when I first moved to Georgia, um I was in a music class, we were doing choir, we were singing like God bless America or something like that. And I just burst into tears, right? Because just a couple months ago I lost my dad in a war. Um and everyone was looking at me so funny and like, what's wrong with her? You know? And I just felt so, <laughs> so much like an outsider because no one could like fully understand that experience of having someone, like having someone so close to them leave to serve and then ultimately be killed. Um, that n no one there could resonate with my experience. That, that felt very, very lonely. Um, that was one experience. Um, I had another experience where I received a Snapchat in my Sunday school class that was extremely racist, extremely racist. And I stopped the class, called out the kid and was like, hey, this is really inappropriate. First of all, you shouldn't be distracted in this class. Like our teacher has done a lot of work to prepare for this. She's not getting paid and you're being very disrespectful and, and grateful of her time and like this time, like the purpose of this class and what we're supposed to be getting from it. And second of all, that is extremely unacceptable to do something, say something this racist. Um, so I was like, sorry for their interruption, teacher, please continue teaching. And afterwards I pulled them aside and was like, hey, I know that you're just stupid um, don't ever do this again. This is very inappropriate. Like, especially to a black person, like never say it. I'm nice. Someone else might harm you. Like it's to that level. Power to you for standing up for yourself like that. That is something that I've never personally been able to do. And growing up as a Muslim soon out, moving soon after nine 11, very, very mm. difficult, very difficult. And I, I, and you know, I wish I could go back and tell my younger self to stand up for herself more. So I just want to say that is incredibly commendable that you were able to to do that for yourself. And I just and I would love for you to continue. Yes, I'm I am proud of myself for how I handled the initial interaction. Um, I was comfortable with these people like I'd known these people for a while. So it was fine for me to do that. Um, but what happened afterwards was interesting because there was a situation with me and the person who had sent the very racist message. Um, and at the end of the day, I ended up looking like the bad person. And for the rest of my time that I was in that group, I was treated differently. I was kind of ostracized. People didn't want to like be around me as much. Uh, the parents kind of gossiped about me and I never said what happened. And the, the background of why I reacted the way that I reacted, because one, I kind of, I didn't want that person to be treated differently. I didn't want them to have the same experience that I did. But on the other hand, I was afraid that no one would have thought that it was a big deal. I felt that like no one would have validated it or understood. Um, and that felt lonely because like no one had that experience. We didn't have very many black people in that group or like anybody that was any other color. So I didn't feel like they would mm -hmm. have that same experience. Um, there have wow. been plenty of times where and how old I've been, oh, sorry, go, uh, I was 16. Oh, I was 16. Okay. Wow. And there've been plenty of times that you've been. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There've been plenty of times where I've. Sorry, cutting off. Oh, sorry. Um, there have been plenty of times that I've been the only black person in a space that was full of essentially just white people. 
And uh, that's always been very uncomfortable. Wow. I mean, you were 16. You did the best you could, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm sorry that you had to go through it, but it's so – it breaks my heart because, you know, I've been in situations like that and I know so many people that have been too. And we're just kids. We're just kids trying to to make it or do what we think is best. And there are adults that are not – that you, you said like there are people that were gossiping and all of that and that just absolutely – breaks my heart. And I'm sorry that you had to kind of experience that. What advice would you have for for someone that wants to feel like less alone in a room full of people? Because, you know, sometimes you really can't control it. It just depends on your environment. I think the advice that I would give to someone who wants to feel less lonely is to continue to be exactly who they are and not try to diminish that for anybody because you'll find as you are authentic people will be able to resonate with that and if you just continue to be who you are you will attract the people who will make you feel at home so maybe no one in your immediate circle that you normally interact with will be able to be comfortable with you or anything like that. But you'll find that as you continue to just be who you are, the people who will make you feel at home will just come out of the woodworks. I love that. I love that so much. Um, And I know we're coming up on time. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I did have only like a few more questions. One I would say, and this is one of my favorite questions to ask is, what advice would you give to your younger self? I would say that your comfortability is a priority. Do not uh, make yourself uncomfortable to make other people comfortable. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, And then this is just a fun question. If you were a breakfast food, what food are you choosing based on your personality and why? I would be a smoothie. Um, there's <laughs> like so many different <laughs> there's so many different aspects to me that are just like all blended together and you can't separate them and I'm refreshing and delicious. I love it. Oh my goodness, that was perfect. Well, Dia, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. And once again, I'm just so grateful that you were A, willing to do this, B, so supportive of me and my goals, and C, just so generous with your time. Um, Despite the technical difficulties, this was a fantastic conversation. Yes. Um, And is there anything that you'd like to say, like as like a last kind of word or any, is there anywhere where we can support you? Is there anything you're working on that you would love some, um, some help with or followers? (laughs) I would say to be continued. I have a lot of things that are Mm -hmm. in the works, but they're not ready to be presented yet. Um, Mm -hmm. but I would just say in general, have space for nuance. Like it's, it's really easy to think in, in black and white terms. Um, And it feels a lot safer that way. But as we expand our minds and and leave more room for nuance, it feels better for ourselves. So just like do that as a service to yourself. Leave room for nuance. I absolutely love it. Yeah, like this could be, this could have been like a six episode. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back on the show for real. Like I'm going to have you back on. I think that. So this is good because when you do start like flourishing out your ideas and stuff, if you ever need promotion kind of, you know, while you're working on things, I will be, I'll be there to help you if you ever need. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Of course. I just was trying not to like, just like keep it on one direction. So that way it, yeah, but I think it was great. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
You're welcome. And I told you this from the start. I was not going to ask you the questions that were in the, the thing for a reason because yeah. I don't want to know. Like, I, I mean, obviously the, the template's there because you know what my general idea is, but mm-hmm. I, that's that was not my purpose. And I knew for a fact I was going to meander away. Awesome. Uh, amazing. Cool. Well, do you okay. have, Bye. Good pleasure. luck with your meeting. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Only in the Room. If you like what you listen to, give us a follow on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. The handle is at T-H-E-O-N-L-Y-I-N-T-H-E-R-O-O-M. If you want to connect with Dia, you can give her a follow on Instagram at D-I-A-D-E-M-O-O-R-S. That's Dia Demos. Thank you for listening and I hope to see you on our next episode.